0: I suppose I remember living in um, Edinburgh and you'd walk past this castle that sits on the top of this old volcanic rock and, like, for the first year, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I live here. That's so amazing. But after that, you kind of stop seeing it because it's just there all the time. And then when people came to visit, they'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe... Yeah, and then you'd be like, oh, yeah, shit. The history in Bolium and Pau's podcast in association with thehistorycorner.org podcasts, articles, reviews. Greetings. <laughs>
1: One must not get one's knickers in a twist. I used to live in Malmesbury, and it had the oldest inn in the country, the bell, the old bell inn. And it was the oldest coaching inn. I My just mom...
0: heard that completely wrong. I thought you said the old bell End. I was like, <laughs> oh... Okay. Yeah, it was
1: a different time. You know, words had different context back in the 1100s. Uh, <laughs> Good times. But Good you, times. Yeah, it was it was beautiful, but you couldn't even afford to have a cup of tea in there. They knew that they had something. Hmm.
0: Talking of tops of hill, Lancaster Castle is apparently on the top of a hill. I've read. I've not been. I don't know. I assume my uh, research is correct. Let's hope it is. Um,
1: It's definitely on top of a hill, though weirdly not the biggest hill in the area. Mm. Because Lancaster's a bit like Rome, it's built on many hills.
0: Yes, yes, as is, I suppose a lot of places are, aren't they? Unless you live in the the flat south like I do, when we're all going to get flooded when it's Mm. uh, global warming.
1: Um, Well, yeah, but I mean, if you do it properly and you irrigate it, you could just have canals like Venice, the entire... Southeast and East Anglia could just be made into one. But
0: isn't Venice sinking? Yes.
1: Mm, yeah. but, but very slowly.
0: Oh, I'll be dead. Who cares?
1: Just keep building tiers. <laughs> just keep building tiers on top.
0: Hello and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. Today I'm joined by Joe Heathcote from Consistently Eccentric. We've done a few collaborations together, so we thought, hell, why not do another one? This time, we'll be chatting about Lancaster Castle in Lancaster, in Lancashire, in the north of England. That is a mouthful. What was (laughs) I thinking when I wrote that? (laughs) Um, Joe lives in Lancaster and uh, I've studied Lancaster Castle. So hopefully between the two of us, we shall bring you a fountain of knowledge on this town that I've never been to. So I'm just doing it from uh, the textbook side of things. So hopefully... My lived
1: experience can can feed in there.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So um, firstly, welcome again, Joe. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me.
1: I feel like I've been thrust into this expert by experience role despite not having that much knowledge myself, being not a native Lancastrian. But I've learnt a lot over the last week, cramming to try and not sound quite so ignorant of my surroundings.
0: So Lancaster Castle uh, is um, really, really old, surprisingly. So it's been there since the Roman times. Um, It was obviously originally built in wood um, and it was built on a hill um, overlooking the town of Lancaster. Um, hence the name Lancaster Castle Um, and it's near the River Loon I believe
1: it is it's like I like I think I said before we started it's not on the highest hill in Lancaster but it is on the hill that's directly above above the loon so in terms of a defensible position you can see everyone coming in at you from Morecambe Bay
0: yeah Absolutely, and um, Lancaster Castle um, is often known as John O'Gaunt's Castle. Now, John O'Gaunt is someone that I've spoke about um, in previous episodes, so if you haven't listened to them, go and check it out. But what I fast like what was fascinating to me is I actually found a link between Lancaster Castle and where I live, like now, which is mad um, because I wasn't expecting that at all. So John O'Gaunt, who uh, was very present at Lancaster Castle. Also had an estate down um in sort of my area in a place called Sutton. So there's there was a pub there which I a very nice pub actually. I went for my mother's birthday one one year, and um the the it was called the John O'Gaunt Pub. But before I was chatting to to Chris Riley in a different episode, I kind of didn't know who this who this chap was. And now he's kind of springing up in all of my research. So um yeah, he, there's, there's a link there.
1: He was a guy who did like to diversify because looking, looking back through his history, he just liked to claim ownership of things. I believe when he married his wife, she was sort of like, um, you know, heir to a load of estates and he cl- tried to claim them by right of husband, despite everybody saying he couldn't, he just liked to say, Oh, and that's mine as well. Because I believe Leicestershire as well, he claimed, mm. Uh, some some lands and titles there, which he he wasn't really entitled to.
0: No, so d- d- I mean, maybe we could say this for the whole of the UK. Did he claim Britain? <laughs> is that he this was, is mine now? He
1: was claiming it in installments. It seems like it was it was a subtle. Eventually, I'll I'll get over fifty percent of the stock of Britain, mm. and then I can just claim full ownership at that point. I can become I'm, chairman of the Britain board. I
0: might do that. I might yeah. just start laying claim to things. I'm commandeering this bit of land um
1: well, I was quite shocked because considering that he's known as you know that's Lancaster Castle, that's his castle. Mm. The John O'Gaunt pub in lancaster is is much smaller than the one you showed me is it it's it's a tiny little thing, I mean it is in the city centre, so it's it you know yeah, you've got a lot, lot more space but, out here, yeah sort of
0: where we are um but yeah, it's um. It was it was just interesting. I found to to have a link there that I didn't know was there. Mm. Um, so the this episode is a uh, more of an overview because uh, if I go into the in depths of the entire castle, we would be here for days. So <laughs> uh, there there'll be points where I jump quite a significant amount of years. So just bear with bear me. With, yeah, yeah. I can Um do that. Wonderful. So the castle changed hands uh, many times. Uh, King Henry I granted it to Stephen of Blois. Blois? Blois. It's French.
1: Stephen of Blois. Yeah, because he ended up becoming king.
0: Mm, Yeah. Ah. So his nephew and later subsequent king, 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 king. Um, in 1141, Stephen allowed David I of Scotland to occupy the castle in order to secure his northern frontier against possible turmoil that was to come in the Civil War. Okay? So. so
1: he tried to buy the King of Scotland off by giving him Lancaster Castle.
0: In, yeah, in a, uh, lending it to him. Lending oh, it to oh, him. Oh, only lending? That's, yeah. not,
1: that's not much of an offer. I will lend you this castle.
0: Yeah, everything in these days is strategic, isn't it? So he probably wanted something in return uh, for it. Um, we we we're at the point here where where the English Scottish border is constantly changing. I mean the 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 Scottish border has come down almost as low as Lancaster at points.
1: Oh, yes. Lancaster has been disputed territory, which is amazing considering I can drive for an hour and a half and I'm still not in Scotland.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So my uh, cousin's family are all from Carlisle and it's very um, diversive there, even in uh, these days. Some people claim it's still Scottish. Other people are very much like, no, it's England. Um, So, yeah, these these sort of territory debates have been going on for a long time um but yeah if you look at the 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 map now lancaster is is really far down away from scotland now so um just imagine sort of the the land that was up for grabs yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um uh so he uh so the, the civil war was going on basically between um uh David I of Scotland and Empress Matilda. So the war came to an end in 1153 um after it was agreed that Stephen would be succeeded by Empress Matilda's son Henry Plantagenet. Mm-hmm. Again, I've covered this on a different episode, so I will skim over it, but this is all sort of centering around Lancaster. Um in 1164, it's come under control of King Henry the Second. On his death, it then passed to his son, Richard the Lionheart, who then gave it to his brother, Prince John.
1: So... Prince John used to own it? Mm, Ooh, I yeah. did not know that.
0: Yeah, so it has a rich history of very colourful characters.
1: Although, um... when you say Richard owned it, I mean, he was barely in the country, ever. Mm. You know, he spoke French, he, he liked to fight in in wars that weren't in england did he do we know if he ever actually visited it or was it just something that he he nominally owned
0: oh it was probably one of those things where you get a title or you get a um a castle i don't i mean as you said he wasn't in the country enough i don't think to i mean he might have been there once or twice possibly not um because yeah considering he's the uh like really highly held up in in Britain, Richard the Lionheart. He actually didn't like the English. He wasn't English, um, which is really ironic, isn't it? I think um,
1: maybe that's why we like him. You know, he was he you you were able to make him into this mythical figure because he was never around, and even when he was around, he wouldn't actually interact with with the Brits because there was that language barrier between him yeah, and the common folk.
0: I could just imagine him in French saying to like the British people, being like, no, I hate you, I hate you. And they're like, oh, he's great, he loves us, because they don't understand what he's saying.
1: Listen to that accent, look at the sword. Oh, he yeah. must be great.
0: Yeah, exactly. He loves Britain, rule for Sanya and all that jazz. Um,
1: Say what you want about Prince John, you know. He, he, he actually did the work. He was actually here trying, mm. and he didn't do a good job of it. But I'm glad he, he got a shot with Lancaster Castle. I bet he at least visited.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. He would have been there um raising taxes. <laughs> yeah. All that all that jazz that everyone knows about. Um so the castle obviously being a, a defensive building also became a prison. Um it was a prison first recorded in 1196. Um so the lancaster prison service and court that i believe that you're going to talk about later on is the more famous sort of section of the sort of system at lancaster castle um but yeah as far back as 1196 it was a um it was was a prison
1: it was a convenient place to put people because as hard as it is to break into it's also quite hard to break out of
0: yeah absolutely I mean I've only ever seen photos <laughs> so uh, yeah did you take that photo by the way
1: I will be taking photos this weekend to send mm, up but wonderful. yes I've um, I we went in there during the bonfire night displays that they do Oh, they projecting onto the wall of the castle but as you as you're walking through that main gate just the, the thickness of it and how imposing as a building it is is it's quite awe-inspiring really that and apparently the cafe's excellent. That's insider knowledge.
0: Oh yeah. Do they do they sell a nice flat white?
1: I I'm sure they do sell a nice flat white, but because we're up north we call it milky coffee.
0: A milky so, coffee will yeah, do. You just
1: ask for a milky coffee and people will know what you're on about. Wonderful.
0: Yeah. I'm up for that. I'm definitely up for that. Um
1: Yeah, so it's
0: uh as you said, imposing, hard to get in, but also hard to get out as well. Um, So it was originally built in wood, as I said earlier, um, Mm. and then it was constructed in stone. Um, The layout changed slightly. It had um, a ditch dug around it um, on the south and west walls. um, And the King's Lodging, um, which is known now as Adrian's Tower, was constructed. So large sums are documented to, to have been spent um as you can imagine um it's probably all from john raising the taxes
1: yeah and they're still being spent to this day because they're they're in the process of um cleaning up i think it is the the main tower adrian's tower that the he's currently got the scaffolds up
0: mm. yeah yeah so i mean none of this comes cheap um you've got to to quarry these stones and then you've got to move them and then you've got to build them and maintain them um so, yeah, that's an ongoing process that will probably never end. A bit like the Fourth Road Bridge. You start painting at one end and you have to start again when you get to the end. Get it it to does the feel end. that
1: way. There's always scaffolding on it somewhere, just making sure that it's all good and true and that it's not falling down. I, can,
0: you remember, like, always in every single village that you'd always go to, there was always, like, a church roof fund. <laughs> Fix the church <laughs> roof. Like, they can't all be that bad, surely. Um but yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um, so, do you know who owns the castle now?
1: Well, I believe because the Crown Court, the Queen actually has taken ownership of it. I don't know if she's if she's lent it out to anyone. Mm, believe... No,
0: you're correct. You're correct. Oh, good. So uh, it's owned by the Duchy of Lancaster, who is the Queen, because um, she is the. Duchy of Lancaster, so she owns it. Um, uh, so that title has been in place for for many many years. So you kind of, if you're a monarch, you kind of get it by default. Um, obviously, you can go around and look at it, and it's managed by other people. Um, you can't. Can you imagine Liz just standing there?
1: Come in, come in. Well, I'd, I'd like her to to come up occasionally, so we can. You know, see her up up north. Seems mm. like she just sails past us on her way to Balmoral.
0: Well, do you know what? I've met the Queen twice and accidentally met her twice.
1: How do you? I thought everything about it was planned.
0: No, absolutely not. This it's all a it's all a facade that they they put on the telly. So the first time I was living in Edinburgh and she was opening up a um a section of the new botanic botanical gardens um and there was no road closures no nothing and i'm just sort of toddling along down the street like one side of the street and she's the other getting out of like her posh car and um there's nothing between me and her there's a road but not a big road
1: and the pistol uh, that she keeps in her bag uh, yeah philip
0: <laughs> get the <laughs> um yeah well like, hopefully he wasn't driving we know what he's like in... yeah. A Motor vehicle,
1: Um, this would have been pre driving ban for Philip. Oh, this was, yeah, this
0: was a long time ago. This was probably in 2012 ish. Um, He still looked
1: like a human then. He looks
0: very ill ill now, doesn't he? Um, yeah, he looks. (laughs) I won't go there, I'll lose a lot of likes. Um, if I start saying he looks like a skeleton, yeah. Um,
1: We don't need to have a go at the Royal Family at the moment. They've got enough going on. Mm, It seems like it'd be piling on at this point. But she's across the road. You've seen her getting out of what I assume is a Rolls Royce.
0: Uh, It was a very fancy car. I don't know what it was. I assume it was a Rolls Royce. And she she got out and she sort of looked at me and nodded. And I nodded back. And then I walked on. And I was just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Like I've just nodded at the Queen. Like, how weird is that? But... That it happened again, <laughs> um, a few years later. This time, so uh, I don't. It must have been two thousand and eighteen. I was I'd driven up to Glasgow to see uh, my friends up there, um, and I was going across to Edinburgh to see my friends over there. But on route, I was going to this um, uh, manor house that I'd seen that was near the Forth Road Bridge, um. Oh, I can't remember what it was called. It's really fancy.
1: The kind of place where a queen might be willing to be seen. Mm, absolutely.
0: Anyway, I rocked up really early because I left Glasgow early, thinking I was going to hit traffic. Uh, so I rocked up at this place, and uh, there's the, um, the the all the royal cars are like lined up, like in mm. front of me as I pull into the driveway, and then. It's the the day that the the new fourth road bridge was being opened.
1: Ah, that now that is definitely you need the top royals to open a bridge of yeah. that size.
0: Yeah. So then I uh, I drove in the car park and I paid my money and I I said to the guy on the the it was like a shack it was like a shed like where you bought your tickets. I was like, what are they like? Why are they here? And he was like, oh, can't tell you. And I was like, who's there? And he was just like, oh, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Right.
1: Well, in case Uh, you were a a very ill-prepared assassin.
0: Well, this is it. So I wandered over to the the house and kind of got stopped by the staff. And they were like, oh, we've just got to wait here for a minute. So it was about me and three other guests there and, and, and the staff. And they're kind of all lined up. And then the owner of the house comes out very posh. And um, says, oh, yes, Her Majesty will be here momentarily, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what? It's a green cabin, like as <laughs> muck. Um, and then uh, they obviously flew down from Balmoral in their helicopter, landed, got out, um, her and Prince Philip, um, came over to us, shook everyone's hands, then went in the house, uh, did whatever they were doing privately in the house. She then came out, got into the cars and then went and opened the... The bridge. the bridge.
1: Well, that's you do double, double shift there. She managed to go to a country house. She managed to open a bridge, all in one helicopter journey. Mm. I I just find it very upsetting, really, that you've seen the Queen twice and I have seen Prince Andrew twice <laughs> in my life, and it feels like I've got the raw end of the deal there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I can't imagine he was that interested in you, um, not being a young.
1: I I was at the time. It was the, female.
0: Um, you were a young female at the I time. I was a young you? female
1: at the time. It was the Manchester Commonwealth Games. We'd gone to watch the mountain biking and a Range Rover pulled up and out he came. And being, you know, the good anti-royal that I am, I swore at him. Uh, Did you? Didn't realise the cameras were on us. So I'm hoping that footage never went out. But Oh, everyone now needs I,
0: to YouTube that immediately. I feel justified
1: they... in that reaction, knowing what I now know about the man. Uh-huh. And then we were in Sirencester, funnily going shopping at Lidl. And um, (laughs) there was a funeral happening at the main um, church there for someone Mm -hmm. that he'd obviously known from his uh, military days. And it was the helicopter again, and they shut a load of the roads because he was just landing a helicopter in a road somewhere, and we all had to wait to get our shopping back. (sighs) And it was a hot day, and our ice cream melted. So he's... What a bastard. (laughs) What an absolute bastard. To me personally, yes. Mm. He's out to get me, is that royal
0: yes they're um i'm i'm not going to go down that road again i I will lose a lot of followers i believe but um yes accidentally seeing the royal family um it's,
1: it's a full yeah i think probably a lot of people in england have the i saw a royal story
0: mm. yeah weird isn't it very weird um the whole concept is weird but alas that's for another for another day.
1: Um, yeah, we have gone off on quite the tangent there.
0: Mm, it's my show. <laughs> yeah, <fair laughs> we can do what we like. Um uh so where was I? Oh yes, we can't talk about Lancaster Castle without talking about the Lancashire witch trials. Yay.
1: Ah, the good old Pendle witches. Yes.
0: So I'm not going to go into massive detail about them, but um the the witch trials uh that were held at lancaster castle were are renowned in british history um it's kind of our version of salem isn't it in massachusetts
1: um it it it, it does seem to be I, I don't know why because it wasn't the biggest witch trial in britain uh, and it wasn't you know the it it just seemed to capture the the zeitgeist at that particular moment that it became this massive sensation.
0: Mm. It was sort of the the right, not worth well, depending on who you're talking to, the right or the wrong time. Um, uh, and I believe is this the the witch trial where the daughter sort of tells the magistrates court that it it her her nan and her mum. Are definitely guilty and they're definitely witches um
1: yeah it's the it's the one where a lot of it came from from one small girl's testimony and mm. uh, every, everybody else was kind of denying it and saying no we're just you know we're just local people who use certain techniques this is a local we've, we've shop learnt. for yeah, local people. Bit, you know we've we've always used these certain you know techniques and these certain things that we've done to to heal ourselves and to do things and it doesn't necessarily mean that I have a familiar and I'm cavorting around naked on the heath with Satan, mm. but you know, it's it's the girl was probably um, much more appealing to the to the uh, crowd. They were much more sympathetic towards the young innocent girl than they were towards the the aged crone.
0: Yeah, and it always seems like again women who are ostracised in this. Um situation to we, we clearly learn nothing um
1: yeah it's, it's... very very much tit for tat as well with with a lot of these witch trials was the the accusations and because i mean compared to scotland the the up until james got his claws into england it was a lot less um intense in terms of the punishments for for witchcraft there always seemed to be this idea that actually being called a witch wasn't as bad. It was almost a mark of honour.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. And that suddenly changed, but, you know, it, it took a while to get through that actually, no, this was serious business now.
0: So, yeah, witch which trials were kind of inherited from Scotland. So James Sixth first had um, written a book called Demonology, um, which kind of, when he became king of England, it kind of travelled with him, this notoriety of witches and 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 all that kind of stuff, um, yeah, it was it w- it was very much in the continent anyway, and there was a massive alliance between France and Scotland, um, so it uh, and England being England we're like no, nope, we're having none of that <laughs> until um,
1: until uh, we're trying to impress you because isn't yeah. it true that there was a spike in witchcraft t- trials the year Demonology came out, hmm. so it's, it was yeah. almost like they. Were, it, we're, we're trying to get on your good side. Look at us. We've read your book and we're, we're mm. now getting witches through by the barrel load because we're such good scholars of your stunning work, James.
0: Yeah, yeah. all hail James. Um, well done you
1: for pointing out all that pretty much all of my female relatives are witches because I never would have figured that out myself. <laughs> I
0: suppose that's one way to get rid of like a, uh, a mother-in-law that you don't like. Yeah, she's a witch. Definitely get rid of her. Um but yes, alas, that's uh, that was a, a famous period in Lancaster's, what well, the castle's history. Um, so during the Civil War, we're sort of rewinding slightly. Um, no, we're not. We're fast forwarding.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> during the uh, Civil War, uh, the castle was used as a garrison for the Royalists, but it was quickly taken over by the Parliamentarians. <laughs> um, Again, people switch sides very easily Depending on who is going to kill them um, Oh, I'm a royalist Oh no, I'm a parliamentarian Because you've got a gun to my head Um, But
1: I mean, it was easier to switch sides from royalist to parliamentarian Because all you had to do was cut your hair Whereas going the other way would have been a lot more difficult You'd have to have sourced a wig at short notice
0: Yeah, th- that whole haircut thing was bizarre, wasn't it? It was just very strange um it's like, hey Nan, get a bowl. Just cut round my head.
1: But I'm I'm actually surprised because of the connection with Scotland that, that um Lancaster Castle was uh you know, did turn. I would have thought they'd have been a lot more sort of die hard um in terms of supporting the king. I think it
0: only overturned because they were outnumbered um in uh, initially I believe that they were very much um Royalists. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're outnumbered. So they're actually like, you become a parliamentarian or you die. Um,
1: well, given those options, it's it's quite obvious which one mm. any sensible person would choose.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in 1651, uh, King Charles was prima- uh, uh, proclaimed king in Lancaster. Yay. Um, his army was defeated at the Battle of Worcester and King Charles was executed in 1649. So that didn't last very long. Um, I know, it's sad, isn't it? Sad. Um, after which, uh, Parliament ordered the uh, slighting of the castle. So basically, Ooh. yeah, the, the wrecking of the castle. Um uh, the monarchy was then restored in 1660 and King Charles the Second visited Lancaster Castle and uh, released all the prisoners that were currently held there. Hurrah! So
1: they'd, they'd broken the castle but they'd continued using it as a prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the prisoners were then living in what I assume was quite a drafty, I mean it's already bad enough living in the dungeons of a castle but then They've, they've knocked down half of the structure.
0: I can't imagine it was a very pleasant experience for anyone. Um,
1: and so, for for the for the um, for the time of Oliver Cromwell, it was a partial wreck. And then I'm guessing, as another screw you, Oliver Cromwell, it was ordered rebuilt.
0: Um. Yeah. Over time, uh, uh yeah, these buildings get knocked around constantly. Um, especially the old ones you think that parts of that building have been there since the roman times well, so
1: on the back wall if you go beyond the castle and down past where the um is it an abbey i want to say it's an abbey the the church that's up on the hill as well there are some roman baths there mm, it probably see will see be an abbey yeah.
0: yeah um yeah there's a lot of so uh castles tend to have abbeys or churches or cathedrals on that very close by um because they kind of all lived in that one
1: area. That's where the that's where the rich people were going to be, and that's where they wanted all of the things that they might might require. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they didn't have to go out amongst the great unwashed.
0: Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. They could shut the doors and be like, "Oh, I don't care about the peasants out there." Um, not much ir- has changed, has it really? Um, no,
1: it's, it's ironic, just that the um, considering it was for a long time a Catholic castle mm-hmm. um, with Catholic leanings, the Catholic. Um, cathedral that we have in lancaster is actually on a separate hill a good couple of miles away from lancaster castle so you do have to go through um sort of like the center and through some of the suburbs to get to get to the cathedral
0: Mm, yeah that is interesting it could have been a um uh a battle between who had the best hill the church or the nobility
1: uh the the church had the 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 thing is the church have the more impressive hill but the uh, the nobility have the the more important strategic hill mm. as it were
0: so maybe they came to a a conclusion themselves about who should go where um <laughs> i don't know maybe it wasn't that easy um so lancaster castle i'm fast forwarding quite a bit here okay. um provided um a unique. It, it provides like a unique snapshot of history in the um, uh, judicial system and the mm. the the reform system in the UK. So, um, it has been a, a a place of incarceration for centuries, um, and still houses one of the oldest working crown courts in the country. Um, which is weird because you don't imagine. An old castle to still have a working court.
1: I know, and it's you can't tell from the outside that it has a working court system in there. Mm. It's all very, very sort of hidden away. It's, it's, it. it you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't believe it even when you've been told it, really. Yeah.
0: However, um, it doesn't it's it, really you'd... fancy though inside, isn't it? I've seen it on quite mm. a few te- television programs, and it's very um, uh, individual. I would say to a lot of courtrooms. Um, you
1: almost want to commit some kind of you know semi serious crime just so that you get a chance to to go in <laughs> and have a look
0: yeah i'm here for the architecture yeah you've got 5 years in prison oh fuck <laughs> like i just wanted to see the architecture um yeah it's a it's a it's a beautiful building and has um had some really uh, high case profiles in it as well um So I'm going to talk about uh, execution. We can't talk about castles without executions, um, obviously. Um, So basically, until 1800s, condemned criminals at Lancaster were executed at a place called Gallows Hill on the moors close to Williamson Park. Yes. Now, geographically, I don't know where that is in comparison to...
1: It's it's the on castle. the the biggest hill in Lancaster. So where the Ashton Memorial is, that can be seen from all around Lancaster, that is in the middle of Williamson's Park. So right. from uh, they processed them, didn't they, from the castle? Mm-hmm, yeah. So in order to get there, you would walk directly through the centre of um, Lancaster. You would stop at a pub called the Golden Lion, which was about two minutes away from my first house in Lancaster, mm. and it does have a plaque there and all of the condemned would be riding in a cart, sat on the coffin because why would you take two carts You just stack them up um, and they would be allowed to go into the golden line for a final drink with their family so th- the entire family would go in as well which is either nice <laughs> or really cruel I Bye. can't tell <laughs> and then uh, they'd follow you up the hill um, to to where they, they hung you and it was, it was the good old tradition like the Tyburn tree where mm. they would throw the noose over it'd already be round the neck and they'd just walk the cart away so is the golden lion pub still there it is still there yeah you can still have a drink in it
0: oh i want to come and have a
1: drink in it i know right now <laughs> and it's 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 a nice little area because it's also got the um the grand theater which is i think it's the third oldest theater in the country oh really uh, there and uh, the shakespeare it was uh, uh, uh i think it's a b&b now but it was um uh, uh an inn of some description and its claim to fame is shakespeare came to put a play on at the grand and that's where he stayed so it's there's a little cultural little area hub. there yeah just a tiny tiny little. i definitely there.
0: want to go after i did uh, my sort of mini course um i definitely want to go and it's so important because obviously the lancastrians and the the tudors and, and all that kind of stuff it was it all happened kind of
1: yeah, we were, it was it was one of the the major centres of all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there is a, there is a story about the Golden Lion pub since how we've we've mentioned it. Oh, yes, please. Uh, and I, no one can tell me who it was, but there is this long standing thing that there was one person who was being taken up to be hung, and when he got to the Golden Lion pub, they said, "Would you like a drink?" And he said, "No, no, I'd, I, I'm not going to do that. I just want to get up there and get it over with." And about twenty minutes later a bloke came up with a pardon that had been signed in the castle and he ran up to the pub expecting to find the guy in there and had been told that, no, they carried on up and wasn't able to make it in time no to, way. to save him. So that guy literally, you know, refusing a drink killed him.
0: So basically not drinking alcohol can kill you, is it's what we're my saying. It's
1: justification every day, yes.
0: Mm. Yeah, is what we're saying. I'm currently sipping a Jack Daniels um, and ginger ale, which is very nice.
1: It is. Um, It sounds like it's a revelation. I normally mix Jack Daniels with Coke, but...
0: See, I don't like fizzy drinks normally,
1: so we never had it as
0: kids and that, so I just don't think I've acquired a taste to it. Um, That or I'm really fussy, one or the other. Who knows? Um, I've lost my place now. We were were talking
1: about executing, (laughs) executing people.
0: Uh, yeah. So, after 1800, the executions of Lancaster Castle took place at Hanging Corner. So this is is, uh, in an angle between the tower and the wall of the east side of the terrace steps. Yes. On the ground floor of the tower is the drop room, which still contains relics of many of the executions.
1: It does. And the thing is, when you walk around the outside... it you don't notice it unless you were looking for it. You wouldn't notice it, mm. but it's, um, it's still there. you can still see the French doors that they had. It's still, apparently you're not allowed to step on it because since then it's been consecrated. I was told. Um. Oh. so yeah, they've, they've, um, passed some holy water over it and made it all good again.
0: As soon as someone tells me not to do something, I'm like,
1: Hmm. Yeah. You'd be climbing over those railings, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. One
0: hundred percent. Um, so out of 200 uh, executions that took place at Lancaster Castle, only 43 were for murder. Other crimes included burglary, passing forged notes, robbery and cattle stealing.
1: Uh, the passing of forged notes. I See, when I was reading this, it, the word that kept coming up was uttering. And I'd never heard the word before. And apparently that is the the using of forged documents or the passing of forged notes mm. is the crime of uttering.
0: Oh, OK. No, I didn't know that term either. That's interesting. Um, but so our crime system from day dot has been um, in favour of the wealthy. So you could probably get put away more for stealing a loaf of bread than you could for murdering a poor person.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there were things like um, uh, the right of the clergy, wasn't there? So mm-hmm. you could recite a passage from the Bible and you'd be let off with a warning. You, you could use it once. You were branded on the thumb, I believe, if you'd use the... Um, if you u- Was it the hanging verse? It's called the hanging verse. If you read the hanging verse, you were allowed to uh, have a second go-around. <laughs> so, a second murder. Yeah, and the basic idea was that if you could read you were rich so only the rich people would be able to take advantage of this Mm. because it was the only test to see if you're a member of the clergy was can you read
0: again wealth isn't it (laughs) oh it irritates me Um. Uh. so 131 of these people uh, that were executed were said to be executed by one person
1: I love the story of this guy Ned Barlow Oh, a Welshman who ended up there why i don't know he
0: obviously did his job very well
1: didn't he well he at some point because i've i've heard the story of him at some point he went ahead and stole a horse because <laughs> he was getting a bit big for his boots and that was because of the time obviously a hangable offense but they had a bit of a chat about it and went well he's a really good hangman and it's really hard to get people to agree to be hangmen because of the social stigma that that carries. So they uh, changed it to basically life imprisonment on um, the sort of understanding that he continue to, to perform all of the executions. I mean,
0: how skilled do you really have to be to hang people?
1: Well, I mean, all of the ones, I'm guessing most of the ones he did were um, outside the drop room. So they were the public executions. It was a short drop, so you weren't you weren't even having to assess weight to you know do the long drop and snap the neck. You you literally just let them. stood them there and let Ugh. them go. I think it was more the having to do that that many times to people and whether people wanted that burden. But it, him stealing the horse was the best thing that could have happened for the judges at Lancaster Castle because then they got a living executioner that <laughs> they didn't even have to pay. Oh. Your payment is, you're not the next one going yeah, out there. Yeah,
0: exactly. Isn't that mad? Um, yeah. I'll, like Every it's time a... I hear the last name Barlow, I just think of Gary Barlow. I just imagine him singing, like, uh, Take That songs, while well, he's the, that the, Hanging People.
1: The weird thing about it is, there was, um, there was one of the hangmen at Tyburn who mm-hmm. you thought would have known better ended up committing an offence and getting hung at Tyburn. So... It, I find it very odd that these people who, who know what's going to happen, they do the job. There's been more than one occasion where they've gone ahead and and committed a hangable offence. Do offense. you
0: and, think it's because they feel like they're part of the circle, like they're sort of immune to it, like they're kind of the big I am in this situation?
1: I mean, it, it could be very basic sort of um, faulty logic of, well, if they want to hang me, they need a hangman. But I'm the hangman, and I'm not going to hang me, so I can't be hung. Which, as long as you don't look at it too closely, it kind of makes a bit of sense.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. I mean, luckily, we don't have um, a public executions anymore. Although I do, unfortunately, feel like there would be an appetite for them um, because that's the effed-up country... Or world that we live in. Um, right. I know plenty of people that would probably go. Um, There's probably to more them. people
1: than you care to care to know who have watched an execution online, mm. or have watched some of that kind of stuff. That's definitely true.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: And the sad thing about Old Ned for me, though, Old Ned Barlow, is because he was a prisoner at the time he died, he would have been put in an unmarked grave. Mm. So he's just he's somewhere in a pauper's grave, you know, somewhere in Lancaster.
0: You imagine I always think about this. So the amount of people sort of either pre gravestones or mass burials or um I don't know, the, the the graveyard has just been lost to time or whatever. The amount of people that must be buried under people's houses, the pubs, the streets, <laughs> the roads, like because cremation is a relatively new ish Thing. It's, it's
1: ridiculously new, really. I mean in its in its form in in Western sort of country, yeah. Obviously, yeah. they did it
0: in, in in Vikings and sea burials and all that kind of stuff, but um, yeah, there must be just like dead bodies like everywhere.
1: <laughs> well, if if we can lose a king under a car park, there's think about the people that you wouldn't want to keep tabs on. They're going to mm, be everywhere. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: It's mad, especially in ancient places such as Lancaster. Um, yeah, oh, they,
1: bury, they bury them four, or five deep now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's just monuments on monuments on monuments. Yeah, I, I can't back that up. But a lot of the weirdly, a lot of the graveyards that I've seen in the city are built on hills. And sort yeah, of they probably slope.
0: they probably weren't hills to start with.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking now. Um, in fact, there's a graveyard on the hill we live on. So maybe I, I actually live on a tower of bones.
0: How old is your house? Uh,
1: well, weirdly. Um, our house was originally built for um, prison officers. So it There's was built... There's definitely the a dead service. body no.
0: underneath your floor.
1: Uh, hopefully a few feet deep.
0: Does that freak you out?
1: Not not particularly. I mean, it starts to freak me out if it started knocking. Mm. Yeah. Or wailing. That's can you that's where I draw the line. But, Get the um, Ouija
0: board out. You can play it with the kids. Come on, kids. They've got a game. It's called contacting the dead people underneath the floor. Um, Just to make
1: check if the the have our best interests at heart and they're going to be helpful ghosts or whether we're going to have a poltergeist situation. Mm. Although we have two cats, so a poltergeist wouldn't really affect our lives that much. No. they, we they, they that anyway.
0: I was going to say, or, or, well, the cats would probably attack it. Was, um,
1: things are being moved about. We don't. That happens in our daily life. Thumps, thuds. Yeah, that's normal.
0: Yeah. True. Do you want hmm. to know because I know you're such a royalist of the um uh, all of the kings and queens that have visited or stayed at Lancaster Castle starting from 1206, yeah. Oh wow. Starting from 1206 going right the way to 2015. It's actually I think not. I can guess
1: who was 2015?
0: It's actually not as long as you think it would be. Um, okay. So well, we've got King John. Yeah. Uh, Robert the Bruce sense. and Edward the Second. John of Gaunt. Yep. Henry the Fourth. Edward the Fourth. James the First. Charles the Second. Prince Charles Stuart, which was um, Bonnie, Br- Bonnie, Br- Prince Bonnie Charlie, Prince yes. Prince Charlie. Um, Uh, Prince William uh, William Prince of Orange
1: oh did he make it all the way he
0: did he got there Uh, the Grand Duke of Russia Queen Adeline the King of Saxony and Crown Prince of Prussia Prince Louis Napoleon uh, Queen Victoria Prince Albert Prince of Wales and all of the children (laughs) all of them (laughs) uh the Duke and Duchess of York uh George V George the Queen Elizabeth and Princess Margaret Queen Elizabeth the second uh the Prince of Wales and then taking us right the way through to 2015 was Queen Elizabeth the second again
1: yeah and she actually stayed in the castle.
0: Uh, oh, royal royal visit. So I'm not sure if they slept there overnight or there's uh, there was a meeting of some description or there was a banquet or something. But she uh, she spent a, a, a period of time there.
1: I like I like that Robert de Bruce and Bonnie Prince Charlie made it because it did seem to be if you were coming from Scotland, Lancaster was one of those things. It was a sign that you were doing well. Mm. That was it was a good marker that. I've I've made it all the way. I mean, I know Carlisle Castle would have changed hands dozens of times, but Lancaster was one of those really difficult gets. If you got that far, it was yeah, going to be remembered. It's,
0: it's very far down on a map. Um, Although, from... weirdly,
1: Bonnie Prince Charlie he didn't declare the fact that he was going to be King of England at the castle. He did it in a pub just down the hill from the castle because there's a there's a plaque to it there. Was it the Golden Lion? It. it at the connotations the optics wouldn't have been good there no it was, it was a different pub but it was right in sort of like the town square so he decided to do it there with the people rather than declaring up at the castle
0: i mean, that's fair man of the people it's
1: all he had to go with at th- that particular moment
0: this is true this is true so now obviously uh lancaster castle is a huge uh tourist attraction um Somewhere where I've never been. Have you been inside, apart from the firework displays?
1: Uh, Doing the tour? Not Mm. yet. No.
0: Well, well, I I suppose you can't, can you, at the moment?
1: Yeah. But I wanted to wait till my daughter was old enough that I could emotionally scar her by taking her through and sort of intimating that if she didn't behave, this might be some of the things. (laughs) (laughs) just, Just to sort of suggest that this was um, the way the, the the current prison system works and it isn't an anachronism uh.
0: she will be in therapy when she's older if you do that <laughs> although saying that my mum took us to the London Dungeons twice when we were really young um, I don't think it had been long open like in the early 90s and I must have been about five and my brother was, like, seven. And we went in there, and it was bloody harrowing. Um, he he cried. I didn't. I only cried because he was crying.
1: Ah, you just, you're just very emotionally intelligent. Yeah.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so then we went again. But then I've always loved sort of dark things. I remember The Nightmare Before Christmas coming out in 1993. Uh, and, again, I was about five. Five? <laughs> Yeah. And, um, I remember everyone being at school being like, oh my God, that's so weird. I'd be like, it's amazing. Like, it's so cool. Uh, my dad would work in the day and my mum would do cleaning sort of offices and stuff in the evening. Um, and my dad being an older gentleman when he had us, so he was 43 when he had me. So by the time I was 10 or whatever, he was in his 50s, um... He obviously didn't know what was appropriate for a a child of of my age. So I remember him sitting us down and um, we watched Full Metal Jacket when we were... Oh,
1: that's quite intense. Yeah,
0: when the guy shot himself in the bathroom and uh, my dad thought this was okay to show children. Um,
1: I don't know if this is a universal dad thing because Emma uh, tells stories of her dad... Sitting them down and watching action movies at age four or five. Mm. She watched Rambo, the first one. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. A harrowing sort of study of PTSD um, from Vietnam vets. Yeah, she was watching that at four or five. and Yeah, just, it must
0: just be a dad thing. They just thought, yeah, that's fine. Um, but it yeah. It's
1: more rationalizing the film that you are going to watch anyway. In the same way, I've sat down and thought, I could put Lord of the Rings on. Mm Probably wouldn't yeah. do that much damage to them. Probably. Maybe. True.
0: I mean I put um I wanted to put Harry Potter on the other day for my niece. And actually some scenes in Harry Potter are actually terrifying. But you don't see it as a in a in a child's perspective, do you? You just see it in an adult perspective. Mm. Um so yeah, my dad also used to make us toys out of lead
1: out of lead
0: (laughs) he was a roofer so he had like all this spare lead and we'd just play with lead (laughs) like
1: yeah absolutely normal thing to make a toy out of yeah as long as he didn't use lead paint as well
0: I don't know he's probably trying to kill us off who knows um anyway I digress so um Lancaster Castle has obviously had a rich and diverse history um I believe you were going to talk to me a little bit about the the Crown Court side of things.
1: Uh, well, yeah, just a few, few bits and bobs about... Because, like you say, it is one of the oldest continuing Crown Courts that the country has to offer. And it is in a very unique situation mm. in that it's still in the original building where it was held hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So... Um, one of the one of the reasons that it was such an important court is because for the longest time it was the only court in Lancashire, the entirety of the county, that could ah, hear okay. the most serious crimes. And that's, considering we had population centres like Manchester as well, it meant that it was getting a lot of traffic yeah. um, coming through the doors. One of the things that makes it unique in terms of um, courts that are still in use today is the um, dock has an area in it where the accused would have their hand placed, two metal sort of hinges could be affixed over the top, uh, so, so that you could brand them immediately after sentences passed. So I take they, it they don't do that anymore. Um, it was last done in 1811. Oh, okay. But the idea was that um, if they'd been found guilty, you would immediately have the hand placed under these iron bars that'd be fixed down. <laughs> the brand would be brought in. They'd brand an M on your hand for um, what was it, malefactor, so mm. evil doer, uh, and then the um, the bailiff would hold up the person's hand so that the judge could assess whether it it was a good enough mark or whether it needed to be done again.
0: Oh, people are awful, aren't they? Mm.
1: But it meant that one of the first things that would happen when uh, a new tr- a new case was being heard is the defendant would be again put in the dock and the bailiff would hold up their hand to show whether there had been a mark already. So you'd Uh, immediately get an idea about if this was a habitual criminal or if this was, you know, someone's first offence and you could go easy on them. That's brutal, isn't it? And one of the other things that Lancaster Castle had in terms of um, innovative ways to punish was it actually had two tread wheels within the castle itself, which were human-powered wheels, and they would power various bits of machinery Um, you would be, if you'd been sentenced to hard labour and you're being um, kept at Lancaster Castle, you would, for 10 hours a day, be expected to walk at a rate of 96 steps a minute, which was very specific. Um, Yeah, that is, yeah. You'd work in teams of four, so there'd be three people on the wheel at any given time and you'd have a five-minute rolling break, so you'd work 15 minutes out of every 20 So did
0: this wheel serve a purpose?
1: Yeah, it, it powered um, various bits of machinery. I believe right. they used it to spin cotton and stuff right, uh, through okay. the time. So you'd be sentenced to hard labour and you'd be doing this 10 hours a day, every day. Surely your legs your would and... just
0: give up. Well, mine would.
1: Either that or they'd get very, very muscular. Um, oh,
0: yeah, they could be ripped afterwards, couldn't they?
1: But in terms of the timings, there was an overseer who would be in charge of telling you when to take your break. So it was another good way of making sure that prisoners stayed in line because... If if you'd wronged the overseer, he might, um, you know, notice that it's you who's going to be coming off the wheel for five minutes, and give that guy an extra long break, and then make your break a little bit shorter. And you can imagine the cumulative mm, effect of having a couple yeah. of minutes shaved off each time for you. Yeah,
0: definitely. I'd say they're not there still.
1: They 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 are not there still, unfortunately. Ah. Uh i mean i'd I'd like to see just how hard it is i think if if you did one rotation you know so like five minutes on then you've got your five minute break then you're doing another 10 minutes on how how long i I could actually go with that before i'd be
0: i mean i get flustered making the bed like (laughs) i mean changing the bed not actually making it in the morning but yeah getting in covers and 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 pillows and that like that that works up a sweat for me. <laughs> so I'd be rubbish on this treadmill.
1: Well it's it one of those things that at least these people would in some way atoning. But again, when we're talking about what the sentences were for, the most minor crimes, you'd end up doing that for years. It was it was really, really mm. geared up to Although when of... you went out you'd have a good career as a footman mm-hmm. or this
0: is true. Um a lot of people got um Sort of banished to Australia, didn't they, from Lancaster Castle?
1: Banished. Well, to be honest, banishment was a much better thing when it came along, and yeah, you'd much rather be have some kind of life out there. Although, if you went to the penal camps, apparently the the hard labour over there was. Mm, I don't think it was.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was a pleasant experience. um, For anyone,
1: it was great because where could you escape to?
0: Hmm. True,
1: true. There, there were worse places to be sent, though. Uh, what's the? I remember reading about Luton. A prison. Uh, Luton. <laughs> it was some. It was. Somewhere... I'm sorry, everyone
0: in Luton. I do apologise.
1: See, for us, it's a, a town near us called Skelmersdale. Skel- that is... almost
0: sounds like scum. Scummedale. well
1: yeah. it's one of those new model towns, uh, and everything's built on roundabouts.
0: Mm, yeah, I. Yeah, well, so is where i live but they're doing it all up now <laughs> so it's uh yeah
1: but they decided in their wisdom that none of the pavements would run along the roads they'd all be in underpasses uh and down where you couldn't easily see the pavements from the roads mm-hmm. so it's very it, it feels very scary when you're walking through there as a, a short not particularly imposing person and there are groups of youths mm, in so the so ag-
0: again it's the same It's the same here. So, I mean, I think the idea behind it was that traffic and pedestrians wouldn't cross, but inadvertently you've kind of separated that sort of line of sight, haven't you? Yeah. So what, I mean, what's great about where I live is I can cycle from one end of the town to the other without hitting a road. Amazing. In the daytime. But at night time, there's a, as you said, there's a lot of underpasses and there's a lot of... um, uh, sort of dark alleyways that are kind of covered over, and it's yeah, it's not, it's not ideal. Um, but yes, I digress. So,
1: yeah. So, I uh, I mean, those those were the things. If you'd done minor offences, you'd either mm. be branded or you'd be forced to become a hamster for uh, however many years they wanted to make you a hamster. Um, but <laughs> we were talking about that the hangings. Yes, uh, and I was I was looking at some of the actual some of the people who who had been hung, and apparently in that drop room one of the one of the um, relics that's in there because there were only actually ten women um, hung okay. in the castle. Uh, before that, obviously, with the Pendle witches, when you were going up Gallows Hill, there had been more um, women hung, but there were only ten between eighteen hundred and and the end of of hangings at the castle. Yeah, and there was um, a few for uttering uttering. They were uttering there were a couple of murderers um one person poisoned her husband with arsenic another uh, i believe just stabbed her husband which was a very bold move but the one who poisoned her husband with arsenic she while she was waiting for her date with the gallows she essentially went into some form of shock to the point mm. where she was almost catatonic and the relic that sits in the drop room now is the specially adapted um, wheelchair that they uh, brought her to the gallows in so they didn't didn't let the fact that she was non-responsive to the world stop them because this was still a public hanging and you have to give the people what they want so they wheeled her out completely insensible to the world in this specially adapted chair so that they could then uh, fix the noose and still still hang her. Uh,
0: she's obviously going through trauma. Well, obviously it is traumatic, but it's obviously physically shut her body down.
1: Well, the the idea of having to not only know that you're going to your death, but knowing that there's going to be this crowd because it could be up to five to six thousand people would be watching. And the thing about the way they set it up with Gallows Corner is the railing between, um, you know, the public. And that where the gallows was set up it you were within a couple of feet of the public. there was no barrier between you and them. They were literally that close that mm. you could you could almost reach out and touch the scaffold that, that that you were going to be hung on uh to the point where there was a gentleman in eighteen sixty two where a man called um walker he he decided that he would try and find a different way out of that. He told them just before they were going to lead him out of the out of the uh, French doors. He needed the toilet, and he didn't want to embarrass himself by being hung. In. Yeah, uh, he was allowed to go into the toilets, and he managed to drown himself in the cistern of the toilet. Ah, oh, no way! Before being carted out.
0: So to me, that's kind of like a way of taking control back, isn't it, of the
1: situation? Um, well... He had apparently told the um, jury in the court when he was being sentenced that there was no rope that was going to hang him. So he made good on that promise, but the idea that you're so terrified that you would rather go through drowning yourself in a toilet, Mm. that that was considered preferable to to what was going to happen. And then apparently the the hangman had to come out, stand on the scaffold and announce to the assembled crowd, "Uh, I'm afraid he's already dead. To which there was much booing, uh, and upset people who yeah. paid for their ticket and had to go home quite quite upset. Really, uh, <sighs> That's... the last yeah the last public execution took place March twenty fifth, eighteen sixty five. It was a wife murderer called Stephen Burke, and from that point on, there were only actually six hangings done behind closed doors. So they developed the idea of you know the long drop um, to be more humane. But ironically, after they come up with this more humane way of um, dispatching people, they only used it six times. And five of those, uh, last six, it was for the crime of murdering your wife. Yeah. Some of, the, some of them were uh, more dignified in death than others. Uh, particularly, there was a gentleman in 1887 who'd shot his wife uh, called Alfred, uh, and he was dragged to the gallows, kicking and screaming, apparently, and he permanently injured the hangman because he managed to kick him in the knee, uh, to the point where he ripped a load of uh, ligaments and tendons. And Ouch. for the rest of the time, that that poor old hangman was walking with a limp. It's, although he still managed to keep his keep his dignity and decorum I'm, as he as he hung him.
0: I'm not sure. I would say poor old hangman, but um, yeah,
1: it's it's a job. I mean, it you're is, just performing mm, a job that this is society says you have to do.
0: Very true, very true. Um, Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, I think there's... Unfortunately, I feel like there probably is still an appetite for that to happen. Um, I'm glad it doesn't happen. And I'm glad that we don't live in a a country where capitalist or capital punishment is a thing. Um,
1: Well, the last time it was performed at Lancaster Castle um, was actually... It was 111 years ago. It's, a, it's the 111st birthday of the end of hangings at Lancaster Castle, and this is the one that I really wanted to talk about because it was a gentleman called Thomas Rawcliffe. Okay. Um, he was a gentleman who had a lot of difficulties in his life. Um, when he was six, he fell out of a second-story window. Oh wow! Onto his head, which is not the best way to dismount from a second-story window. No. In the best of times he was in a coma for six weeks mm. and they had to essentially this is using um victorian technology they had to insert um a hot but they had to basically make a hole into um the to drain off some of the fluid that had um, sort of started to pull around his brain mm. and he amazingly was able to survive this experience no wow. infection the the idea that he hadn't developed something Especially series. in
0: that, that day and age.
1: Yeah. This was um I think it was eighteen eighty eight we're talking mm. about. So it's he he was a miracle. But unfortunately, um from that point the descriptions of him suggest that there was an acquired brain injury and they mm. had a learning disability because yeah. he apparently did very bad at school. Uh he was hanging around with ruffians, um and when those ruffians would commit petty crimes, like yeah, I don't know. Kicking a posh person in the knee, um, (laughs) or throwing some dirt at a fine lady as she walked past, the rest of the gang would scarper, and Thomas wasn't really able to to understand that he was in trouble, or that what had happened might result in some kind of punishment, and he would apparently just stand there, docile, and Mm. just allow allow himself to be picked up by the cops. So he was perennially in trouble based on the fact that he was always the last person at the scene of the crime. Yeah. So he had a string of petty offenses, um, and bumbled along as sort of the lower rungs of society. He could only get menial jobs. And he met a, a young woman called Louisa who she, she had her own troubles. So she, she tried to commit suicide herself by hanging, um, had been unsuccessful but you can imagine what the stigma was like in victorian society or moving into edwardian society actually but you know mm. it that's was a something. crime wasn't it well yeah um so she'd been in prison he'd been in prison they found each other um they were living in lancaster apparently uh it was quite a happy marriage uh for most of most of their marriage uh, thomas did get aggressive when he drunk Mm -hmm. But he had sworn off drink for a number of years, and things were going well. Okay. Uh, Then one day, a cold September day in 1909, Thomas walked up to a policeman and said, "Um, I've killed my wife, and I need to show you that I've killed my wife. So the policeman followed him, and he calmly showed uh, the dead body of Louisa, who he'd strangled, And he explained that they'd uh, engaged in a suicide pact and that the plan was because louisa was feeling down that um she didn't see the point anymore and thomas was a follower he wasn't a leader so she told him well you strangle me make sure that you've killed me and then you take rat poison kill yourself a police officer who was there he found the dead body with the cord around the neck he found the bottle of rat poison and it turned out thomas hadn't really taken enough However, he'd obviously taken some because he was adamant that this crime had been committed the night before, but actually it happened two nights ago. So he'd lost an entire day somewhere Mm. in there and hadn't realized. Obviously when someone commits murder and then goes finds a policeman and confesses to the policeman while showing all of the various things that were used in the commission of the murder, he found himself in court. Yes. And while the jury had to find him guilty, they made a special point of asking the judge to grant clemency for him, to the point where there was a petition that was started that attracted thousands of signatures, saying that this this person, although he clearly committed the act, was not of sound enough mind Mm. to, to really understand what was going on and should not be punished as if it was an act of willful murder. As far as he was concerned, he was a husband doing what his wife had asked. And the only only thing that he failed at was he hadn't taken enough of the rat poison. But the judge didn't see it that way. And when the petition was sent to the Home Secretary, the Home Secretary didn't see it that way. And so... Thomas Rawcliffe, on November the 15th, 1910, became the last person to be hung at Lancaster Castle. And no one had been hung there for 24 years prior to this, so it was a very unusual event in and of itself, Mm. but especially so considering the fact that, um, you know, it it was somebody who obviously had um, impairments. That's really sad, Mm. isn't it? Well, considering the line of work we both do, it's yeah it's very uh, yeah. humbling to think that and I believe that the last person who was who was hung in Britain or one of the last people who was hung in Britain, there was also a strong suggestion that that person had a learning disability mm. and it seems like capital punishment people get behind it until they see something like this, especially in an age when you know photos were readily available and the reporting was much more sort of in your face and a lot more... It had a lot less of a slant Mm. towards what the people in power wanted you to see, that suddenly it was these stories that jarred enough to turn public sentiment against the idea of um, capital punishment.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people uh, with uh, a learning disability an acquired brain injury, uh, a mental health issue are normally forever let down kind of from the beginning which is why they end up in these situations uh, and um, I mean even to this day a lot of crimes are committed by people who have a mental health issue and if the mental health um, uh, team or, or money was pumped into it a little bit better um, then maybe these crimes wouldn't happen. So it kind of all, f- from my point of view, it kind of all stems from, from from there. But um, yeah. Anyway, that's a slight digression. But yeah, that is really sad about um, this Poor chap Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. They,
1: he, the the thing was, they tried to paint him as a monster, and they said that he was an incredibly violent man when he became drunk, um, and he was he used to beat his wife, and he used to do all of these things, and then. The jury saw this man walk into the dock, who was very docile. He was five foot one, mm. bless him, and he was uh, like maybe nine stone, but that was because he'd been fed three square meals in prison for a couple of months. You know, he he was uh, a very small, in you know, inoffensive man who, when when the judge was trying to make out that this was an irredeemable monster, it just wasn't what they were seeing there.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, um, so we did this,
1: um, oh, I can't even
0: remember what class it was, but it was it was kind of like an e- experiment and the, the teacher held us up, um, I think there was like five pictures of people and he told us uh, like five facts about these people, but he didn't tell us the fact about the right person. So for example, he'd hold up a photo and tell us a fact about somebody else. But as soon as you're kind of told... Oh well, this person's a uh, a paedophile, for example. You're like, oh yeah, they definitely look like one. Yeah, blah blah blah, mm. blah blah, and you kind of jump on that bandwagon, um, and then they were like, well, no, actually, that that wasn't the the person that has been um sort of done for for paedophilia. It's this person, and then and they hold up a picture of Prince Andrew. <laughs> yes, and that was the end of the class. Um, <laughs> yeah but it is it, very like how we can make assumptions of people based on what we're told and we we kind of see what we want to see um sometimes so yeah does that make sense
1: it makes it makes a lot of sense good the the, the idea that yes if you're told something about someone you will you will try and fit it into your worldview and go, of course, and try and look for reasons mm-hmm. that that would be true.
0: Is that like if somebody commits, I don't know, a crime, for example, and then they they ask their friends and colleagues, they're like, "Oh, I knew there was something off about him or her," um but actually, they didn't. They're just sort of fitting it into that narrative of what they now know.
1: And it was especially at the times when most of the the sort of hangings up on Gallows Hill were happening. The The offences were so minor. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, even from the 1800s, when you consider people to be a bit more um, refined and a bit more knowledgeable, and we'd gone through the Age of Enlightenment and people were supposed to be reasonable, only 20% of the people who were hung, it was for murder. Yeah. So, so much of it was for minor, what would be considered minor thing. I mean, like the passing of fake notes. It wasn't that these people had forged <laughs> the notes. They just... Uh, taken them and and pass them off as as currency, and you could imagine nowadays the idea that if you tried to pay with a moody twenty pound note to get into a club, that that could potentially end with you being led up a hill to get some amazing views of Lancaster and the Morecambe Bay, as you were Before unceremoniously you die, yeah. dropped off a cart. Is is ridiculous?
0: It is. It is, and let's hope we never go back to that. Um, I I speak about this quite a lot, like how we think that history is, we always think we're going in the right direction, but there's been plenty of times where we've uh, gone back. So let's hope we don't go back to this age of capital punishment, uh, especially in Lancaster Castle, because I think they'd lose a lot of tourists. If, I don't know, actually, they might, they might gain, gain some. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Good you could have a halfway house and do it like a a, a dungeon experience where someone gets
0: hung <laughs> when right right at the end you get chosen randomly
1: to be the person who's going to be hung yeah and you sir have won the chance to, uh, to... they take you into the drop room and they're like don't worry we're going to attach this rather strong um metal chain here at the back <laughs> so that you won't actually be hung but can you do a good show maybe flail a bit if you It's a big ask, I know. You're here with your family, but if you could wet yourself, it would really (laughs) add to the realism. So it's up to you. Obviously, you're in charge. You're the actor here. Can you imagine? Well, there was... uh, I think it was in America that there was um, two incidents around Halloween because, you know, they like to do the haunted um, hay rides. Yeah. There was one where it was a guy and he was supposed to have... He was supposed to pretend to be hung. So as as the thing would go past he would step off a thing and pretend to, you know, he con convulse a little bit. Mm. And then he'd climb back up and wait for the next one. And it there was a noose around his neck, but there was also a, a metal sort of safety line that would mean that he wasn't actually going to be hung. And at some point, the metal safety line failed. And he <sighs> inadvertently hung himself. Jesus. And there was another story about a woman who She decided that um, because her husband was cheating on her, that she would make a a big statement and she would hang herself from the the house, from the window of the house. Mm. And she did so, but she'd happened to do it at the end of October.
0: Oh, so everyone thought it was.
1: The husband, she thought he'd be coming home, but he'd made the decision that he was leaving. So he'd left, left. And she'd done this and no one was coming to the house. And it was a couple of days, apparently. No way. Before somebody went, actually, that's not right. <laughs>
0: that's not Halloween decoration.
1: You kind of imagine it was probably November 2nd and people are going, eh.
0: Yeah, someone's just really into Halloween.
1: Yeah. And someone finally went, but there's no other Halloween decorations at that <laughs> house.
0: <laughs> to be fair, I've been um, in America uh twice on halloween and it is it's gore and glorious all at the same time and it's so much effort is kind of put into a lot of these decorations and stuff like actually some of it looks real but you don't batter an eyelid like you could have walked past so somebody it, that hanging story from story has tree. some
1: validity for you cuz I've I've never been to America this yeah. is just a Yeah I know. Yeah, oh, it's in, in, so I it went
0: happened. to when I was in um New York, uh, sort of upstate a little bit in New York State, there's a place called Sleepy Hollow, which you might have heard of. Um, Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So they do this big uh, Jack-o'-lantern festival thing. And um, we went there and it was amazing. It was insane, but it was amazing. It was just all these sculptures and stuff built out of... um, uh, jack o' lanterns, like pumpkins, and uh, there was just the the amount of effort that goes into it. I mean, it's huge there. Like you, you, we were walking down the sl- the street of Sleepy Hollow, and they had like pumpkins like hanging over the um all of the uh, traffic lights, all of the the street lights. Uh, the signs of Sleepy Hollow were kind of covered in you know, like pumpkin jack, like oh, scarecrows yeah. like that. Oh, it was insane! It was amazing. Um, But yeah, you probably wouldn't batter an eyelid seeing something hanging from a tree because it's kind of everywhere. Um, There's
1: there's a little town, well, I say town, there's a little village near us here. I think it's LL, it's called. Um, And they do a scarecrow festival every year. Oh, amazing. And it it has, you know, sort of towards autumn time, and it has a very uh, kind of wicker man vibe to it because these are really, it's not just everyone's made a, Bog standard stesco. These are full on like dioramas that these people do. Yeah, and they look. The, if if the you could tell me that there was a dead body in one of those, just sat there, and everyone was driving past and having a good look. And I believe that it had a very, yeah, children of the corn, just just on the edges of society kind of feel. The loon was always protected by Lancaster Castle. Yeah, and the Vikings when they came and raided, I often wondered why they they kind of ignored the loon and they always used the Ribble to get inland. And it may be because, you know, the the Britons and then the Anglo-Saxons, after them, continued to use the fort, the castle at Lancaster, as a way of controlling traffic up and down the loon, whereas I don't believe the Ribble had a similar thing because it had a big estuary and the first major settlement was Preston. So you could get quite a way inland before... Uh, anyone would challenge you there so it was the better route in mm. you know into the interior of the country from there well two of the two of the biggest viking hordes that have ever been found have been found on the banks of the ribble it was a really important trading route for vikings whereas the loon now nah, they weren't interested
0: so lancaster is a an area that i don't know very well but when this lockdown ends i'll come up and you can show me the golden
1: lion pub the golden lion pub yeah yeah uh, it's I've I've never been in myself because they look rough, and I may be doing them a disservice. But the the locals in there look rough.
0: Yeah, I. It's fine. It's we fine. We can do.
1: We can do the historic one. We can go to the Golden Lion pub. Then we can go to the John O'Gaunt yes, to Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then we can go to the nearest pub to where Bonnie Prince Charlie um, announced. And we can also go because um, Charles Dickens came and stayed in Lancaster, and there's a. A blue plaque to the hotel that he stayed in you mm. can drink in the there. after
0: our last conversation our last podcast you remember that i don't like him anymore
1: well you don't you don't have to like him it's just for the historical connotations this then you true. could go to the shakespeare inn you could mm. drink at the grand as well that's that's quite nice
0: so it sounds like a bit of a historical pub crawl to me
1: i, th- I think you could put together quite a good historical pub crawl in, in lancaster Obviously, ending the night with a bottle of White Lightning sat outside the castle.
0: Is is that a standard for being in Lancaster?
1: There's there's often um, at the back of the castle there is a, a section of just grass that goes straight the way down off the edge towards the river, and oftentimes on sunny days because it gets the good aspect, there'll be groups of kids just drinking around drinking drinking the the hooch or the whatever they've managed to steal yeah um and smoking questionable substances
0: Mm, yes the herb
1: yeah and occasionally somebody just enjoying shooting up some heroin sat there in the (laughs) sunlight it's
0: beautiful it's not the 90s do people still do that is that a thing i assume it is
1: yeah yeah
0: thank you again so much for coming on um it's not always a really. pleasure, um, and I believe that there is a an episode that we recorded a long time ago, uh, coming out on your platform. Soon. On my
1: platform, yes. If you if you want me to do do the dual plug, we recorded this. What was what will it be? It would be over a month ago, mm. um, but it's been sat there waiting to go out, and it is going to be out uh, next Friday, not this Friday. So I'll just confirm the date because I don't know when you're going to put this out. So, our episode of, I mean, rather risque episode for me, uh, will be out on the nineteenth of March.
0: Nineteen? I can't even remember what it's about. Yes, I can. Yes, I can.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's oh, all yes. but you've tried to repress the memory. I have. It is. I have. It's, um,
0: <laughs> no. It was. It was fun to record. As was this one. It's a very long episode. What? How much stays in and how much goes? I. I don't know. We'll see. Joe, do you want to promote any of your stuff? Please do it now. Now?
1: yeah. Well, as we've said, I also run a podcast, probably in terms of historically accurate content, slightly below where the History Emporium and Pals is, but we we like to think we entertain, and we put one out every Friday uh, at 5 o'clock. I think we're up to episode 30 next week, so that's a... Amazing. a nice little milestone yeah uh and we're covering a very special lady for saint patrick's day um it's one of the last episodes i'm doing with uh my wife because she's been filling in through covid times because we've been locked down um but yeah that's pretty much all we do i'm very boring in that respect I'm just... no
0: not at all the, <laughs> the podcast is funny like i really like it um and i like some of the one-liners that come out of it and the um a lot of dry sense of humor in there as well, which I can thoroughly get behind. Um, I know it
1: sounds very off the cuff, but it's it's heavily sort of workshopped. I mean, every every ten seconds of that podcast is at least an hour in the writers' room, <laughs> making it. <work. laughs> Don't tell
0: anyone that. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> None of us know what's happening. Um, but anyway, on that note, I shall bid you good night and um, thank you again for coming on.
1: Well, thank you for having me.